You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rua Space Podcast, where we help you make space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your everyday life. I'm Phil. And I'm Erin. And today we are doing the next in our Revelation series. We are on chapter four and five. So we're going into the throne room of heaven where we get to meet God and see. So we've been introduced to the region and where all these letters are going to and who's sending them. Then we were told, here are the seven churches. Here's your warnings. A lot of them that we covered in the last two weeks were rather harsh and a little scary because they're very (laughs) relatable problems that we can easily find ourselves struggling with as Christians even today. And now there's a change in tone in the book because we are going to be meeting God. Yeah, this is the throne room scene, the first of the throne room scenes. And this is an important chapter to ask yourself, what are you feeling? Now, over on Patreon, we have a practice we're going to be putting up that goes with this, uh, with this, with these two chapters. So we would highly recommend go check out the link below and get access to that um, below the description of this episode. Because these are, my, these are some of my favorite passages in all of scripture. Because this is, the, this is an image of the throne room of God. This is what is happening right now. This gives us an insight into the real throne. And all day long, we deal with false thrones in our world of people and political parties and systems and um, companies and whatever it may be, claiming that if we just vote them in or buy their product or support them or be like them, then life will be really good. And what we've discovered as a human race, I think, is that none of them <laughs> provide what they promise. Mm. And I think we're seeing the, the, how that plays out over and over as a country and as a people where we experience the pain and suffering of things breaking down and not working for everyone. And this is an image of the throne room of the real throne that all the others are just a parody of. This is the God who's actually on the throne. And, you know, I would just, I just want to read a little bit of this to you because it talks about uh, before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. This is in the NIV. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. You know, it talks about these four creatures, and it talks about them singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. All day and night, they never cease yeah. to say it. Yeah. This is powerful. This is a, this is a scene of power. Mm. What God's throne is really like. And I think it puts to shame (laughs) the powers of the world. Yeah. I like it. It goes on to say, whenever the living creatures, those four creatures, give glory and honor and thanks to him seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders who are encircling the throne fall down before him who is seated on the throne, worship him for who lives forever and ever, casting their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. Yeah. 
It's good stuff. I mean, I would just ask people how you're feeling right now hearing that. Like, just sit with that for a second. Again, the point of revelation is to feel before, like, full logic steps in. That it grips you at a deeper place first. And so for me, this passage has been one I return to when things feel out of control. Mm. Or things feel like there's no way out. Or evil seems to have won. And that's the purpose of it in this book, is that evil is going to seem like it's winning an awful lot. And John wants us to remember that that only goes so far. Like, that's what we see. And we can feel boxed in by that. But the real truth beneath the surface is the one who created all things and in whom all things have their being. And then the passage goes on to take us to see the sheep. This lamb, verse 6, of looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, of course, being Jesus. And this to me, again, is the vital truth that Revelation is teaching. That the one true throne is occupied by one, not who grabbed it by violence or coercion or some sort of slippery persuasion or mm-hmm. because it was the richest or whatever. This is one worthy to be on the throne because it sacrificed itself. This God is not one who just is a puppet master looking out for God's self. This God, this passage tells us, is one that dies to show love and to make reconciliation possible for everyone. And this is important to remember because as we go throughout the rest of the book of Revelation, we're going to see all these beasts and, and people are going to say, who can stand against the beast? That's one of the passages later. The beast who is the system of the world that puts some at the top and everyone else down, that only cares about itself, that's all about power and money and wealth and fame and comfort, security, whatever. They're like, who can stand against it? And of course, what they were talking about was the Roman Empire, right? Who could defeat the Roman Empire? There's no way out. And what John wants us to realize is the throne upon which Rome sits is a false one. And the one sitting on it didn't get there like Jesus. Mm. So how do you think that would make the difference? So there's five churches, right, that had issues that Jesus is like challenging and two that Jesus encouraged. So how let's let's ask, how would they have felt about these chapters? Well, I think the the two churches who were suffering or who were faithful were suffering. Right. I think that's the way to say it. They they were faithful and they kept strong with God, and yet they were paying the price on earth. And mm-hmm. that's uncomfortable. I think we would prefer to believe that's not how life would go on earth <laughs> when we choose to follow Christ. And I think where we can get discouraged is when we see that, we say, well, what is this Jesus guy, the... I don't know, maybe this isn't the best path. Is he really worth following? Or really worth following to the point where your life falls apart compared to how you want it. Yeah. Not just, oh, I believe in Jesus and it's a nice thing, but I don't really have to change anything. This is the, no, I'm all in. Yeah. And everything falls apart. Yeah. So I think (laughs) if you're coming from that perspective where you have followed Christ wholeheartedly and things just still aren't working out it's hard and hard stuff has happened and you've gone through hard things 
you come to this and this is why you're doing it. This is why you're sticking through faithfully is because this is how you see God. God is the most powerful. Um, I like that he's the source of the thunder and lightning. You know, it's coming off of his throne and everyone there is worshiping him. The angels, the elders, the creatures, there's, there's nobody there who is not fully engaged in worshiping him. And I think, wow, he must be pretty, pretty magnificent because he's really holding their attention. <laughs> you know, these days and age, you know, our attention spans are so short. There's like, whoa, mm. they're spending a long time doing that. <laughs> um, but he's that captivating, right? You have to believe he's, he is that mesmerizing that yeah. you would want to be fully engaged in that way, right? And, and um, would, I, I feel like that would have encouraged them. That, I would think so. That the Roman Empire, which has their its foot on their neck, the, the local people who have outcast them because they're living for justice rather than for money. Mm-hmm. They're living for the outcast rather than the ones in power. Mm-hmm. Now they see, oh, why would I bow down to those people even though they could kill me or put me in jail right. or outcast me when their little baby throne is nothing. This yeah. is the real one. We I have to remember that... the Romans too. They're the ones who built the Colosseum. Yeah. You've got, I mean, you've got the, the gladiators, right? Mm-hmm. Like we sometimes forget, I think when we look backwards that all of those bits of history mm-hmm. we've heard about, they were all happening in this time. This was a time of tremendous um, persecution yeah. for people Christians who being burned, being falsely Jesus. accused of horrific crimes against the state it was bad it was bad right like it was devastatingly awful and now you're seeing a power play where nero and anyone else who's in a roman authority well they're not comparing to this right Right. they're not they're not even holding a candle there's no lightning and thunder coming from the throne room of the romans right (laughs) it's temporary it's gonna Um, fall it's fake and so i think that's just a great encouragement and I would think then, too, for those in the five churches that were getting admonished, you hear the admonition, and I don't know, it's easy to make excuses or say, yeah, but, oh, well. And so I think that for those two churches, they get to this and they're tremendously encouraged. For those five churches, if you're still kind of waffling about whether you you want to go all in or if you're going to keep going lukewarm or compromising or whatever your issue is, you get to hear and, whoa, this is this is who you can either worship or have opposed to you. Right. I, th- I think there's a contrast for them that would be very stark and alarming mm-hmm. if they were thinking, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, and to realize that what they've sold out for is coming to an end. That they're going to be comfortable maybe for a short time, but it's fake. It's well, false. and our lives really are short. Yeah. I mean, sorry, friends. I guess we should have disclaimed this. Revelation, it's going to get a little heavy. Yeah. Um, our lives are a fraction of eternity. Hmm. And what we experience here on earth is just the smallest little piece. And it feels like everything to us because this is all that we know. There's a whole nother life beyond this. And so you see this throne room and yeah. I don't know, I guess my takeaway is I think I'd like to be there. 
Well, I think maybe in the crowd, there's a crowd of numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands. <laughs> I think I'd like I'm cool being in the crowd. Just yeah. you know, get to be there, well, see it, you know, see it. And don't you want the one on the throne to be one that died for you, rather loves than you. one oh, that's that th- one of rather love. than one that threatens you. Yeah. To keep your loyalty. This one doesn't threaten you to keep your loyalty or take it away if you stop paying or stop whatever. This is one that dies and is like, you're just welcome as you are. Well, it's overwhelming love. Yeah. So one thing before we wrap up, I, I also want to say when you're reading through this, Revelation is thick with the idea of numbers having significance. Yeah. So just reminding you, I know, and I know we've talked about this in podcast episodes before, but anytime you see the number seven, you're talking mm-hmm. about completion, right? So um, I was looking just now at the scroll, right? In, in the throne room in chapter five, there's a scroll sealed with seven seals and mm-hmm. an angel is asking who can break it and nobody was there who was able to break it until Jesus comes, right? But the fact that it's sealed with seven seals, it's completely sealed. It is in it is in all of its completion sealed up. And by the way, how many horns does the lamb have in verse six? Seven. Yeah, and the horn, Revelation being heavily symbolic, a horn was a symbol of power. Oh, so, okay. So I'm glad you said that so because some of this imagery now, is just weird yep. to me. So yeah. it gives him seven horns, not necessarily to say Jesus literally has seven horns. Because John is making weird. you feel something. He's making you feel, oh, this isn't a lamb with no horns. This lamb, if has it had no horns, would have no power. power. What they're saying is this slain lamb actually has complete power, that its death does not mm. reveal weakness. The slain lamb that is resurrected actually has seven horns and is completely powerful over mm. everything. Mm. Okay, so here's one that I couldn't puzzle out on my own. I was trying to do some math and get myself there and it wasn't working. So 24 elders. Mm-hmm. The closest I could get in my basic number, is it numerology? Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. I thought that was right. And then I started second guessing myself. Language here. Which we have whole episodes on numerology yes. in case. Because there's weird ways to do numerology and like biblical ways. So we'd encourage you to go listen to that episode yes. previously. So, okay. So I'm thinking 24 thrones, 24 elders. And my thought went to, okay, seven times three, but that's 21. So seven t- or three times eight, three being another number of completion. But then I thought, well, you've got the 12 tribes of Israel. So 12 and 12 could get you to 24. Yes. Do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on what 24 is symbolizing here? 100%. It's the entire body of God's people. Okay. Yeah. All right. So 24 is the addition of 12 and 12, which by the way, in the next episode, we're going to get to 144,000. And can you guess how that math is done? 12 times 12. Yeah, exactly. With some zeros added on. Exactly. But it's the same idea. (laughs) It's playing with the full people of God. Okay, so 24 being, is 12 tribes of Israel yep, 12 doubled? Disciples. Oh, 12 disciples. There you go. Okay, so it's mm-hmm. the 12 from the old, the 12 from the new, complete of people. the leaders of God's people. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, I don't know. I like that. So I think f- thinking about that, looking at this as you're reading it, there are some weird images. Like you've got the four living creatures, each have six wings. But again, this is all leading you towards seeing God's magnificence. Well, and we're actually going to touch on those creatures in a different episode because we'll compare them. So we'll get back to them. Okay. So we're not leaving people hanging. No, absolutely. You'll just have to tune in later.
And so I think what I would encourage people with and challenge people with as you read this section of this letter, chapters four and five, and as you hear what we're saying is to consider, take a few moments right after this and consider in what ways are you encouraged by what you're hearing? What feelings do you get that are of peace and comfort? And what feelings do you get of discomfort and challenge? Mm-hmm. Because we're probably going to have a little bit of both. There's probably going to be some comfort that God is stronger than whatever we're facing. And there might also be a little challenge that, oh boy, we've trusted too much in a false throne. Mm-hmm. And maybe we need to change a little. So I think I would encourage people to consider both of those ways, how it challenges you and encourages you through how your body may speak to you and see just what the Spirit might reveal to you. And friends, with that, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you in the next episode. Grace and peace be with you.